What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Ooh, welcome to the Inks Go Yard podcast. Happy Arbitration Day. I am Adam Weiner alongside Thomas Carinante coming to you live here on YouTube because it's a Thursday at 2 o'clock Eastern time. We're, we're also here Mondays at 2 o'clock Eastern. Those are the two days when we're here at 2 o'clock Eastern. And today the business is going down. The Yankees are knowing some arbitration salaries they settled at. Big names like Juan Soto, whose money will be over $30 million probably. Plus, Gleyber Torres, whose money could dictate where he goes next. We should know the money soon. All we got is that Victor Gonzalez and the Yankees settled at $800,000, which is Huge. A, boring, B, not an article, but that's what we got for you so far. So we'll talk about that as it drops. We'll also cover the Marcus Stroman rumors. Are the Yankees not interested? They Did they decline to offer him a contract? Or are they all of a sudden emerging as the favorites to sign him? What is going on? What's truth? What's fiction? Plus, the Yankees better have really disliked Shota Imanaga to not sign him at the contract that he went for. Pete Alonso may or may not like us like us. And Luis Severino said Yankees while wearing a Mets hat. Make sure you join us again here next week. We'll be here Thursday again, not Monday, taking the holiday off. But you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, After the Fact. And Thomas Carinante, welcome to the show, I believe, you have an offer for the folks? I think you do. I do? No offer? No maybe, offer. Maybe I've forgotten. All right, no offer. We'll have a sponsor again soon. <laughs> uh, my offer is arbitration money for getting this stuff done. I don't I, – I, 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 I have a new DraftKings read. I'll be doing a new DraftKings read at 3.30 on a different podcast. Oh, Sorry, okay. You don't have anything on this show. My bad. Yeah, we'll get DraftKings back for you guys. We know it treated you well, um, and uh, we want to make sure that you guys uh, get some bonuses wherever that may be. But yeah, what, what my offer would be is uh, pay the people the money, get this stuff over with. I hate the arbitration hearings. Um, I understand sometimes they're necessary, but largely it's bad for the sport, in my opinion. Uh, salary there, there shouldn't be a debate over what somebody's making it should just be commensurate with the market uh seems like an easy fix but yeah non-tender day and arbitration day uh two of my least favorite ones why because it drags on far too long for not that important of news and then usually the bigger news that comes out of this is of the negative kind where uh for non-tenders you know you're cutting somebody loose um and then for arbitration you're headed to um a case hearing usually with a, an important player who's going to be disgruntled by either A, having to do the hearing, or B, with the results. So um would be nice if we could just get this done, but I think I'm feeling some sort of uh, 
back and forth between the Yankees and Glaber Torres just because that number is high at 15 million at the projections. And um, we know the Yankees love to save every penny that they can, right? Uh, they certainly do. And uh, I don't, I would fully bet on uh, that Glaber situation going to arbitration. I, I think the Yankees know what they're getting into with Juan Soto. So if like, that was supposed to be a 30 plus million dollar contract from the jump when they traded for him. So if Juan Soto files at 32, if the Yankees are like, how about 31.754, like, come on, this is insane. You uh, eventually have to negotiate a long-term deal with this person. So quibbling over hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars not worth anybody's time, not a deal breaker. They obviously did have a, a gap in filing numbers with Aaron judge before he did come back at the end of the following season, a record breaking home run season so you know there was a time when we were like how could they piss Aaron Judge off heading into free agency and then they found a way to make things work but you have much less of a history with Juan Soto I would recommend not pissing him off Glaber Torres the, the projected filing is 15 million dollars that's a lot of money uh he's probably worth it I guess in his final year but Shane Bieber's making 13 million this year is Glaber Torres more valuable than Shane Bieber at this juncture it's really close um, I, I would be willing to bet the Yankees are just not going to take that first Glaber number at face value. And then you have to be careful about creating animosity there because we know even learning that trade rumors existed was too much for Glaber Torres to handle two summers ago in the summer of 2022 when he found out he was on the table and didn't get traded. It ruined the next month and a half of baseball for him. This is a contract year, a lot of pressure on him. That contract won't be in New York. So anything the Yankees can do to get the best version of Glaber Torres benefits the person and benefits the team. Now we said the same thing about Luis Severino last year, and he went on to have the worst year of his Yankees career and sign a one-year pillow contract with the Mets. So doesn't always work out that way, but it's the same situation with Glaber. What's best for him is also best for the Yankees, and it'll be best for some other team after the season ends. Yeah, um, and I have wondered just for a little bit if the, there's been a lot of silence on the Glaber Torres front, especially after we made the Soto and Verdugo acquisition solely because you look at this team and you're like, all right, why would you trade Torres now? You have one of the best second basemen in the league. Theoretically, second base is a really hard position to kind of get that edge on. Um, it's one of those unique spots where if you have a good fielder and somebody who's, who's a power hitter or, you know, a high contact hitter, it's, it's a, it's a distinct advantage. Um, but um, well, and then also on that on that note, you look at what Torres can net you in a trade. Can he net you uh, an ace cal or like a even a mid rotation starter? Like I don't know what teams are looking to fill a second base void while parting with major league ready pitching, um, because the Yankees are not going to be trading Torres for prospects unless I think um, this season goes down the tubes. Um, their goal would be to get something that's major league ready in return that can directly help them contend in twenty twenty four. Um, and now with Torres being a rental, I don't know where that fits in for any team looking for second base help um, because you look at uh, maybe a non-contender and why would you rent somebody for one year without a guarantee to extend them um, and give up assets? And then you look at a regular contender and it's like, why are you going to – unless unless you have – I don't think there are many teams out there with that great of a positional strength at – starting pitching every team needs seven or eight starters heading into the year um so to possess that kind of immaculate depth doesn't really exist um but then again there's been a lot of silence and usually that's when brian cashman's striking uh i think we could agree that he does blindside us with 
um, some pleasant trades um, or ones that we think are going to pan out well and don't, but he does operate in the shadows a lot. Um, he does try to identify under the radar candidates that could develop into something. Um, he does, he does a good job of detecting um, underperformers that end up becoming contributors and helping the Yankees balance out their payroll. Um, that said, I don't know if that would be a palatable deal involving Torres because of how valuable he is coming off that good 2023, but it's still, 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 you got to wonder with the arbitration situation coming up. And um, I think the Yankees still needing to upgrade in a number of spots. I, I would not rule out a trade just because things have gotten a little bit quiet. You are right that real G's do move in silence like lasagna, like Brian Cashman. So it, it just goes around hearing about a Glaber Torres trade. A real G does not mean that he might not be on the move. Um, well, let's talk about the rumor mill because that's what we got to work off of. We'll update you if any arbitration figures or angry uh, gaps between two parties drop over the course of this episode. That dates the episode, of course. If you're listening to it on a Saturday afternoon and your favorite podcast platform, you're like, hey, what the fuck? I've known these for 48 hours. <laughs> Sorry, it's a live stream. That's how it works. Uh, but let's talk about the stuff that we do know. Marcus Stroman. Well, we don't mm. actually know anything here, but we do know that he's been connected to the Yankees repeatedly this week. We've been bludgeoned over the head. Happy Marcus Stroman Rumors Week. We had Robert Murray on the show on Monday. It's only gotten weirder. Over the weekend, Bob Nightingale said Stroman reached out to the Yankees, wanted to be a part of it. New York. New York. Yankee said no, declined to offer him a contract, which made sense considering he's trashed this team publicly for four full years, may or may not have thrown a tantrum in the locker room in Toronto after being traded to the Mets and not the Yankees. May or may not have. It's been reported he did, but I, I wasn't there, so I don't know. Um, goes to the Mets, tweets every time the Yankees have a bad start about how, oh, I can't believe Brian Cashman said I wouldn't be a difference maker. He isn't an ace, but he would have made a difference in 2019. And the Yankees just didn't want to pay that price or didn't like the player. It is what it is. Uh, continued to like tweets, trash the team for a while. Apparently deleted those tweets this offseason, which makes sense if you're going to ask the Yankees for a contract. And it also makes sense that the Yankees wouldn't give him one. But Joel Sherman wrote a column this week about, hey, Yankees are getting pretty desperate. Yankees made the Juan Soto trade, precluded on the idea that they were going to get more pitching and they haven't gotten it yet. How desperate are they getting and do they care about the clubhouse and the way it's constructed? Because they didn't care when they got Alex Verdugo. They didn't care when they got Josh Donaldson. They didn't care when they brought Josh Donaldson back. It would make sense based on the team's recent behavior that they wouldn't care about this either and would in fact bring Marcus Stroman in. Bob Nightingale flip-flopped after saying Yankees declined to then say that the teams were talking and making progress. John Morosi said a couple days back the Yankees have emerged as the favorites to sign Stroman, the most prominent team in the race. I think that was yesterday morning, but man, time moves at such a weird pace. Uh, what I've heard is, uh, you know, it, it goes in line with the fact that no deal has gotten done yet. If the Yankees were really the only team in this and the favorite, like you would think that maybe they would have finished this off by now, but talking Yanks is tweeting Stroman Jersey swaps. Everybody tweeting like this is sort of a done deal for the last 24 hours. There's no way of knowing, but they haven't moved any closer. And we just got information over the weekend that said the Yankees weren't into it. So to me, it still smells like somebody got involved. Somebody was like, Hey, don't print that. Why would you print that? The Yankees declined to offer Mark as a contract. We need money here from other teams. Giants aren't getting Imanaga. We need money from them. The Angels aren't spending money on anybody. We need Marcus Stroman to sign with the Angels. Why are you saying that the Yankees are out? Say the Yankees are in. Say they made progress. 
which is why you've gotten a fleet of other reports after the report that said Yankees said, haha, get the fuck out of here, that actually they're moving forward and actually the Yankees are really interested. That's what it smells like to me. I don't know what it smells like to you. Uh, I don't doubt that it would be totally in line with the Yankees picking up people in recent years who have been problem children, but I don't believe this that they're emerging as a favor for Stroman for one second. Yeah. What does it smell like to me? Um, bullshit. Yeah, a pile of it. A hearty pile of your finest bullshit. Uh, if we have learned anything this offseason, and um, we are not reporters, I know that job is very difficult, but clearly there was a concerted effort by either Major League Baseball, the agents, the Players Association, whatever it was, to mislead, misinform the media, create hysteria at every turn with the um, with the bigger free agents, with the bigger trade targets. This is no different from what we have been seeing for the better part of two months now. Um, Shohei Otani playing, Yoshinobu Yamamoto Rams game, uh, uh, Corbin Burns seemingly at one point, like the Brewers were moving fast to deal him and Willie Adamas, then that stopped overnight. Remember when uh, Yamamoto was going to the Rams game and that was a big deal and then he wasn't going to the Rams game and that was a bigger deal and then he signed with the Dodgers the same day and then the Rams were like, we had a custom jersey for you. Why didn't you just go to the Rams game? <sighs> what are we doing? They had like a whole production plan and then he was like, actually, I'm just going to silently announce the deal an hour later. Give me a break. Go to the Rams game. Yeah, <laughs> give me a break. Go watch some football. Go watch some football with your friend. You're going to the team anyway. It means nothing that you're not going yeah. to the Rams game. Either way, like this, it's just been a mess, and I'm not. Uh, there's no one to blame. It's been a tough, slow-moving off season. Uh, Robert told us that on Monday. Be patient. Don't forget. Be patient. Very important. Um, but yeah, I'm uh, to buy any stock into this would just be crazy. Um, I guess in theory, you look at the Yankees this time around. Um, in 2019, the Yankees did not have Garrett Cole. Um, they did not have Nestor Cortez performing like this. Um, they did not have Clark Schmidt debuting yet. He debuted in 2020 and was actually not good. Um, they didn't have Carlos Rodon under contract. And say what you want about Carlos Rodon, his ceiling is much higher than Marcus Stroman's. It's much higher than anybody else on the roster except for Garrett Cole. So um, to add Stroman into the mix now, I'll, I'll flip-flop my viewpoint for one second, would make sense. He would deepen the rotation. He could be a really good number three or four option. Um, you wouldn't have to rely on him to give you ace caliber starts or pitch and do or die games, which is kind of what the vibe was in 2019 because you had, what, Tanaka, Paxton, um, Jay Happ, like just wasn't that – there was just no clear, like unequivocal star power there. Um, so at this point, it makes the most sense that it ever has but just much like the Jordan Montgomery situation, there are scars here. Um, there is seemingly – I mean, that are seemingly just not worth revisiting. Um, and then you talk about just the personalities the Yankees like to acquire. I already think they went on a limb in getting Alex Verdugo. Um, and, again, like Alex Verdugo is who he is. I have no problem with that. But uh, you look at his introductory press conference, he wasted no time shading his former team. Mm-hmm. which again, I have no problem with, but you know the Yankees don't like that. The You know the Yankees don't like outspoken figures. They're drawing more and more attention to the team and having the media have a field day with any comment or quote that they can clip. Uh, Verdugo is very much that type of player. Uh, if you followed him at all in Boston, if you follow Boston media, 
oftentimes he was the discussion of whatever, you know, controversial negative topics going on there. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think Marcus Stroman would be any different. Um, props to Marcus Stroman for speaking his mind and being unfiltered. But uh, I think we could say on a larger scale that does rub people the wrong way. Uh, comments get misconstrued. You're looking at you're looking at New York here. All it takes is for him to say a paragraph of good stuff, end it with one sentence that's open for interpretation that leaves somebody wondering something controversial, and then that's what the headline is across seven different publications. So um, we know how the Yankees operate in terms of their personnel. Um, I would say, in defense of that, um, they have acquired very much robotic personnel, which I think has created a bit of an, uh, a culture issue in the Bronx. Do I think they need a little bit of an awakening there with some people who have pep in their step and, and say the right things at the right time? Absolutely. Do I think Marcus Stroman is that guy? Um, I think he's a little bit farther in the other direction in terms of what the Yankees might be looking for on that note. So um, I'm not believing it. Um, I'm not necessarily opposing it either. Like good player that wants to be here. Sure. I'll take him. Um, Kind of same thing with Verdugo. I never wanted him here. Um, I'm not going to be outwardly opposing the move for the entire season unless he ends up batting 120. But um, yeah. it is what it is. We'll have to deal with it. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not buying it from the reports. I'm not buying it for the fit. And I'm not buying it that the Yankees have now randomly done a 180. And, like, they're, like, I guess fine with these reports existing. And then if you want to factor in, like, People are still talking about Trevor Bauer. You know how uninterested the Yankees are in Trevor Bauer, mm -hmm. that they are entertaining or allowing these Marcus Stroman rumors to kind of dominate the news cycle. So that's how uninterested the Yankees are in signing Trevor Bauer. You know what's crazy? I read an article that I wrote called Marcus Stroman would be a perfect Yankee if he didn't hate the Yankees. And I was like, when did I write this? Because he regressed in the second half. When was that? He Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The rest of the second half of last year, his numbers have climbed year over year. Yeah. And I was like, man, this take from 2021 did not age well. November 2023. What was I doing? Oh, wow. A month and a half ago, I wrote this. Um, so I disagree with myself. I don't think Marcus Stroman would be a perfect <laughs> fit for this team. Uh, I don't know why I wrote that. You can sue me if you want. I might. Everyone takes me. gummies now, dude. You know. Yeah, I think yeah. I was. I'm never high. I'm never high, but I was high for 35 minutes while crafting that <laughs> argument. I didn't believe in. Um, I mean, the Yankees need the type of competitive competitiveness and competitive fire he brings on the mound. They don't need anything else. They don't need the online profile. They don't need the Twitter stuff. He, if he got this far into the podcast, he's going to block me later today. So. Uh, I think he's a great giant. I think he's a great angel. I don't want him on the Yankees. And it's interesting. We were told that Yankees emerged as the only team chasing after him. Just them. It's, they've had productive discussions. Here we go. And it's uh, that was yesterday morning. And it's Thursday afternoon. And we got nothing. So we got all these arbitration filings instead. Nothing there. Uh, well, if the Yankees are going to add pitching, it might Whoa. come via Luke Weaver, who just signed today. It's official about an hour ago, uh, maybe less than that. 
Luke Weaver, remember him? $2 million club option for next year, 8.25 million of total guarantees if he gets that club option uh, and is around for an extra year. But right now it's one year and 2 million. He was good in three starts with the Yankees in September. I would forgive you if you didn't watch him. He developed a cutter. He unveiled it in his one start with the Mariners before coming to the Yankees. All of this is to say the Yankees clearly believe in Luke Weaver, just like they believe in Cody Poteet. These are the five starter, six starter, seven starter options they're assembling right now. None of these people qualify as high profile starters. Someone's going to lose a roster spot for Luke Weaver. So the Yankees better be right. But we've heard from the beginning they didn't like Shotai Minaga, the other high profile Japanese player who started the World Baseball Classic clincher, who is a, you know, big name in Japan, uh, but a fastball pitcher. Major League Metrics don't really love the fastball, high fastball guy. A lot of people saying maybe he's a four, maybe he's a five, maybe the ceiling is four or five, which is, is Kyle Glazer or Baseball America's appraisal. That doesn't sound great. Uh, other people described him as Nestor Cortez, where the fastball 92, but it's sneaky when it gets on you. It got a lot of ride on it. Uh, second most home runs allowed in NPB last year. I didn't love this fit for the Yankees. The Yankees apparently weren't interested. They saw the fly ball stuff too. It wasn't a secret, but I didn't like this fit for the Yankees at a hundred million dollars, which is where we were told this contract was going. Uh, and then word broke that the Cubs got him. Great. He turned down more from other teams to go to the Cubs. Cool. Two years, $30 million was the initial thing that got dropped. It ended up being $53 million as a, as a guarantee. And there are escalators in here. Uh, all this to say that, you know, not my favorite pitcher of the offseason by any means. The Yankees do need innings, though. And if they didn't like him, then they better have really not liked him to not be able to go $60 million over four years for this guy. Yeah, I um, I thought the same thing. It's less embarrassing for the Yankees than it is for teams that much more, you know, that were much more desperate for pitching. I don't Red think it's Sox. embarrassing. I don't think it's embarrassing at all. It's just like, hey, your assessment better be that like this guy is a disaster. For yeah. You do not entertain him at that rate. Yeah. Um, like the Red Sox should have been all over this. Would have been a very easy signing for them. Would have filled a, a desperate need for them in the rotation, especially because they are in need of lefties. Um, John Heyman said there was a John Heyman reported that a team made double whatever the Cubs offered and Imanaga turned it down. Uh, don't know who that would be. I would also venture to say the Yankees did not offer him 120 million. Um, if that was the case. So, um, looking at the fallout from this signing, um, nerds love Imanaga, all the stat guys saying they like the location on his fastball, fastball spin, whatever. Um, could that portend good things to come? Maybe. I don't know. Um, I am more so uh, focused on the results. Um, and if he's giving up the second most home runs in the foreign league last year, uh, I don't know if that's a good fit in Yankee Stadium, especially for an elevated investment where you know the, the market for Japanese players was, was at an all-time high. Um, in the end, Cubs got a good price, in my opinion. Uh, it's probably a good fit for them because that park, uh, when the wind's blowing, is 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 either hit or miss with having home runs leave. So um, if he's pitching on the advantageous windy days, he's probably going to be in a good position. Um, in terms of who else this, you know, the Yankees could pivot to, um, I'm fine with Weaver. That's $2 million bucks. I know it takes up a roster spot, but again – Weaver's your sixth or seventh starter and can come out of the bullpen and eat innings and save innings for relievers who are getting taxed early on in the season, which has been a problem for three years now. Um, 
I think that's the right investment. Who would be opposed to incentives either? Either if Luke Weaver's really fucking good and earns eight million dollars, sure, come on down, dude. Um, do I think that's going to happen? No. Is it possible Matt Blake unlocks something and they can get twenty five games out of this guy with uh, you know eighteen starts? Sure, uh, a couple long relief appearances that. Um, you know, mirror as as starts if he's going three, four, five innings in, in the event um, the Yankees need that type of land. Um, million dollar value right there, in in my opinion. Uh, you're saving players. You're, you're getting guys the rest. You're not taxing arms that are inevitably going to be taxed. You look at guys like Nestor Cortez and, and Carlos Rodon and Clark Schmidt, all of whom are going to need some sort of rest plan innings cap next year because of their low uh, – well, because of Rodon and Cortez's low workload last year and because of Clark Schmidt's highly elevated workload after never doing yes. that before. Worried um, about Clark Schmidt. Yeah, I have no problem with this. If Matt Blake if Matt Blake found something, what would you say? Cutter, developed a cutter? Um, good. That's great. Yeah, there's an article out there that said he threw his cutter and unveiled it in his one start with the Mariners. And then they DFA'd him. We got him. Threw 13 and a third good innings here across three starts. And again, three starts. I don't blame you if you did not watch them. I don't blame you if you didn't know Luke Weaver was here. Yankee fans, September 2023 Yankee fans after Jason Dominguez's Tommy John surgery. If you felt like you got shot through the heart, I get it. I definitely was not intent on watching those games either. I was settling in being like, wow, a whole year of Aaron Rodgers with the New York Jets. That'll be interesting. That'll get my mind off the Yankees. <laughs> nope. Uh, but Luke Weaver's pretty good in those starts. At least two of the three of them, uh, you know, they were short starts. He's probably more of a swingman opener type. But in case you were curious, last year when they got him, it was like, hey, is he like, is he a guy? Are the Yankees taking a chance on someone they actually like here? Do they just need somebody kind of unimportant to cover innings down the stretch so they don't push Rodon and they don't push Clark Schmidt anymore? And we got our answer today because they guaranteed him $2 million for this year with a full 40-man roster, so they're no longer just taking chances. They're going to have to make a corresponding move here. Matt Crook, Jeter Downs, Bubba Thompson. I mean, there are a lot of options to, to get rid of on the 40-man roster, but they're going to have to make a move, so they're going to have to clear space for Luke Weaver. And then if he lives up to their expectations, they get him at a relatively cheap price next year, $6 million for a good deal of innings. So uh, most importantly, this answered the question, did we like him? Uh, were we doing this just to mess around, or did we see something we liked? We liked it. Uh, is it going to work out? Who knows? But that's where the Yankees are at. Who knows? Um, any any low-cost pitching to me is good. Luke Weaver's got a lot of experience, too. Um, can't have can't have all-stars at every area of the roster. Uh, we say this every time. Um, so, yeah. Uh, what? A, let's stay on the pitching train. We've been, sure. we've been talking about some pitching. Luis Severino. Um, we didn't sign him. The Mets gave him $13 million. Don't know why. Don't know how that's going to work out for them. Well, did uh, you see him at driveline this week working on his, his off-speed stuff and his pitch cool. shaping? Yeah, I love that. You know, pitcher, pitchers doing off-season work against no competition. Look at this nasty pitch, dude. As soon as they leave the Yankees. Pitcher never has idea that he might be able to better himself until leaving New York Yankees. And then is like, oh, wait, is there something I could be trying after four years of injuries and failure? I guess maybe I'll try it. Like, that never gets old. Yeah. Um, and the beard thing. I mean, just give me a fucking break. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the Yankees hair policy. It's been well documented on this podcast, articles, what have you. I mean, every player the Yankees acquire needs a beard. 
Is that is that no? I'm I'm legitimately asking. Is every player they acquire people who love having beards, and the second they leave the Yankees, the next day they have a beard? We've seen it with everybody over the last five years, and no different. Mets introductory press conference on Zoom for Luis Severino and Harrison Bader. They both have beards. No coincidence that they put them both together either. Severino signed a month ago and Bader signed three days ago. And then they were like, let's introduce them both. What's their common thread? Yeah. Uh, old washed Yankees that the Yankees didn't compete for? Great. Let's put them on the same Zoom. Yeah. Um, again, another dramatic showing from Severino. Said he was going. He thought he was going to die a New York Yankee and then thanked the Yankees for giving him an opportunity when he meant to say Mets. Um, head just never there. The guy's head is just never that it's never been there. It, I don't, it's like he said, he's focusing on sleep this off season. Like I, I just, I don't, I, I, I am, I, I am so glad this relationship is over. Um, it's an interesting thought though. Again, like, has he tried sleep? Has before? he tried sleep as a member of the Yankees? No, he'd completely disregarded it. It seems, uh, uh, I think during the Yankees, during his time at the Yankees, he was learning time, uh, learning how to use a watch. Calendar. Uh, yeah, I got a calendar. Calendar. Yeah, really, really like pressing things that he had to take care of. But um, yeah, I just like seeing him I, again, wish him the best. But like, I can't do, I could not do another year of Yan Luis Severino as a Yankee. It's unfortunate we're going to be hearing as much as we could possibly hear news of a former player outside of Yankee land because he's right in the backyard in Queens and there's going to be more of this. And um, the second he performs poorly, it's going to be all over the timeline. The second he performs great, people are going to be pretending like the Yankees uh, tossed a, a valuable asset aside when it was an asset that hasn't been good in five years. Um, but yeah, anyway, introduced with the Mets, uh, Harrison Bader lie, straight up lies. to. That's, I think that's more important. Like obviously yeah. Severino, uh, you know, he said Yankees when he meant Mets. It's funny because he played for the Yankees for a long time. I don't, I don't blame him for for doing that. Said he thought he'd die a Yankee. Uh, I mean, you clashed with the front office a lot, man, and you were injured all the time. I don't really know why. Uh, you thought that? Did you mean you thought you'd die in the clubhouse last year you know, <laughs> at, at the hands of Brian Cashman, or did you think, or when you uh, thought you got shot on the mound? Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't want to, there was obviously, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, the Harrison Bader lie, like you said, um, that stood out more to me. Yeah. I, uh, another weird thing. It's like everybody leaves the Yankees and they either grow a beard or they pretend like everything they said for the last year, two or three was just that we'll never track it. Um, Harrison Bader talked about wanting to be with the Yankees long-term. What was the what was the exact quote? Uh, I do this shit for free. Yeah, I would do saying. this shit for free. Uh, supposedly cried when the Yankees put him on waivers and had the Reds uh, and exposed him to waivers after the Reds picked him up. And then he says in his Mets introductory press conference that he actually always knew he would play for the Mets, and he has family and friends who are Mets fans. Um, it, it just. Just a lie. I mean, I, have I family get and friends who are Mets fans too, but like I, I root for the Yankees, and uh, he purported to root for the Yankees while he was here. Uh, there was really no counter to that notion during his time here. Yeah. So, um, just weird on all counts for. And look, I'm not blaming them person. I think it's an all around problem. Like I think the Yankees either acquire the wrong personalities and then, you know, give them a bad experience and which gives them a reason to leave and 
say whatever they say or act however they act. Um, and then I just think they acquire people who are disingenuous or not really there in terms of uh, where they need to be mentally or where they need to be physically or whatever it is. I, I just really don't think they take the, the human element into account when they're making all these personnel decisions. Um, and you don't have to do it for every personnel decision, but you should probably do it for the more important ones. Um, and as we've seen, you know, Aaron Hicks gets released by the Yankees beard the next day. You mean to tell me you acquired Aaron Hicks, who was not happy to be here for quite a while. And then all this time he was famous facial hair guy who loved and needed to have a beard. Like what, mm -hmm. why are you doing this? I love and um, need this. Okay. Yeah. It's like, I need, I need this the next day. Oh mm -hmm. my God. I can't even, I can't even believe I went without a beard for seven years. I can't, that is, that is shocking. It's like, it's, it's, it's just, it's all dumb and it's frustrating. And I, every former Yankee does this where it's like, they're either full of shit or like they create a completely new persona. Um, and again, partially problem the Yankee way, you know, a lot of it is buttoned up baseball and, and showing up, doing your job and talking to the media and being, being as, as unrevealing as you possibly can and, and lacking character as much as you can, and then going to play your game the next day. Um, but clearly it's either done a number on a certain group of people or the Yankees are just acquiring the wrong people. I think that's the lesson we need to come to terms with. Can we also finally acknowledge that like, it's great that Harrison Bader is a local. It's great that he grew up a Yankee fan. Bronxville is not the Bronx. Nope. Can we just acknowledge that finally? The exact opposite of the Bronx. It was people coming at, it was like haters coming at us being like, you're saying he's a Yankee native and like a Bronx boy. Are you kidding me? It's true. Bronxville is an affluent suburb. Uh, it's kind of close to the Bronx, probably a half hour train ride away. If you're going up that, that Metro North line, you know, like past Fordham, Spite and Dival and White Plains and okay. Yonkers. Like you'll, you'll get to Bronxville, but it's like a sleepy, adorable downtown Hamlet with pretty high school sports there and pretty expensive facilities like Harrison, Harrison Bader, uh didn't, didn't come from a rough and tumble background he, i i'm also you know i grew up a yankee fan in the suburbs and if i Same. i if i you know eventually played for the yankees which i don't think is going to happen but if i did i would say i was a fan as a child i wouldn't be like straight from the bronx bill i came from the bronx bill like I, <laughs> I i would make the distinction for sure i did not come from you know a rough and tumble area i just grew up a diehard fan of the team excited to help my team win uh i don't even know if he did it but it, it happened and it became like a major part of the bader yankees career and it's not true it's not true at all he's, he's not from the bronx so there you go uh bronxville pretty far away from flushing queens but maybe there's something that uh you know maybe there's a so sonic parallel there too we can eventually uh twist it into maybe he's also from queens like we don't know he watched king of queens as a teenager love that show maybe that maybe that's the the connection i don't know Fun connections. Um, either way, boring, exhausting. Everyone's a tired act, in my opinion. Um, and I'm not even mad today. Uh, it's just, it just is what it is. I'm a little mad today. I wanted these arbitration numbers to come out, and uh, they're not. What are we an hour? We're an hour and a half. So what? They either agreed to, or they either agreed to terms by one o'clock, or told the other party they were filing, and then it's just we're at mercy of the information being released. Yeah, but some of the people who are filing came out already. Like, we already know the, the Jonathan India and the Reds are going to an arbitration hearing. Like, 
what I thought was going to happen, and it never goes well in Major League Baseball, so why would it go well today, is that at 1 o'clock we would get all the settlement numbers and also all of the names that weren't settled. And then at 8 o'clock tonight we would get the list of the exact filings to know how far apart these people were. And so far we, we still are sitting on hour two of just Victor Gonzalez agreed, which is neat. Neato gang. Glad we got him locked down. But like the Luke Weaver stuff broke before the arbitration numbers came out. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see where that goes. as The day drags on. Glaber, a pretty big name. Would love to know where he settles at. Uh, Juan Soto's contract is going to be huge. And we kept hearing about the various things that were stopping teams from spending. At first, it was Otani's holding up the whole market. And then it was Gamamoto's actually holding up the whole market. And then it was uh, Imanaga's posting. You know, that's the 11th. That's actually holding up the market. And now it was the arbitration deadline on the 12th, which just so happens to, you know, they actually they moved it up. It was supposed to be the 12th. Then it was supposed to be the night of the 11th. Now it's the afternoon of the 11th. I held out hope that maybe teams were moving it up so that they could get transactions underway sooner. Because once you know all the ARB figures that you have to pay out, you'll have a better idea of your budget. You'll be able to squeeze more free agents in there under the tax, et cetera. But we already know estimations. Nobody's number is going to be crazy off. Victor Gonzalez isn't going to, it's not like we estimated Victor Gonzalez is eight, at 800,000, but he's actually getting 38 million this year. Like there's no <laughs> so significant that it should change your entire payroll. And yet that seems like that's what's going to happen. Teams really want to know the figures before they go into the room and finalize their other signings, which more power to you, but you're quibbling over a very small amount of money. Yeah. Um, again, and that's why I don't like it. I don't like it. It's boring. It doesn't teach you anything. It's just, it's wage suppression. It's teams not wanting to pay whatever the market value is or just arguing over nothing. Hey, I deserve a 6% raise. Actually, we think, we think it's four and a half percent. If we, you know, we looked at the numbers and determined um, you're 1.5% less valuable than you think you are. It's like, just pay the fucking 6%. Nobody cares. Um, All right. Well, let's figure this out, guys. It'd be nice to have the actual news so we can project what's next here instead Mm -hmm. of just wondering nothing. Um, Pete Alonzo, we heard a little bit about him in the news cycle this week, or the rumor cycle, or the WFAN cycle, which is completely separate from news and rumors. It is a place so, where wild shit happens. Yeah. Um, who said it? Salicata? Salicata, and then like the other guy on the show who I don't know who he is was going like, yup, 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 in the background. So he was acting like he heard it too. You ever like be in a room with someone sharing cool information and then you pretend like you also knew it to sound cool? They were doing some of that. Salicata was talking about Pete Alonzo's future with the Mets. And he said, you know, I actually, you know, does he want to be a Met long term? I think he does. But I have heard, you know, around the league, I've heard it a few times that there are a couple other teams that he'd rather play for. I've heard it a couple of different times. And I don't know if it's been reported those teams are the Yankees and the Cubs. And then the other guy was like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, yes, the Yankees uh and the Cubs. Yep, of course, I've heard that. So we've heard more Pete Alonso trade rumors to the Cubs. We've heard that for a while. And. And I don't even know if Sal Licata is saying I heard he wants the Cubs or he's just heard the Cubs connected to him so often in free agency and in the theoretical trade market that he just said that Alonzo also had a preference for the Cubs. But he did say the Yankees. We haven't heard the two parties connected at all, no. even a little bit. And the idea that Alonzo might want to play for the Yankees, again, leverage. That's the Marcus Throwing stuff. Leverage. Everybody should want to play for the Yankees. 
Ditto if you play for the Mets. If you currently are on the Mets and you want more money from the Mets, say you want to play for the Yankees. Um, but it's a nice connection. Would you take Pete Alonso? Weirdly, the Yankees need some right-handed power. If they're not going to have right-handed power from Giancarlo Stanton, they could use 45 home runs from the right side of the plate. I wouldn't say no to Pete Alonso joining the Yankees. Uh, they've eyed Munitaka Murakami, we've thought, for a long time, the Japanese first baseman to take over for Anthony Rizzo. There was some Murakami Dodgers buzz a couple weeks ago, because of course there was, because the Dodgers are signing every Japanese superstar at this point. I don't think you can count on that. If you could put Pete Alonso on the Yankees in a vacuum, fantastic. But we know the Mets are going to pursue Juan Soto next offseason. How dumb would you feel if you let the Mets give out Juan Soto's next contract, and then you're like, we'll do the... 40% of that contract, the $212 million eight-year deal for Pete Alonzo, a burly first baseman who doesn't exactly have speed to play with, who's a generational power hitter, but not a generational talent. I don't think Pete Alonzo is going to the Hall of Fame unless he goes for 500 homers. Uh, power at this, you know, this kind of frame doesn't necessarily age well. I wouldn't want to be the team to pay Pete Alonzo's next long-term deal unless I was also the team that was paying Juan Soto's next long-term deal and I definitely wouldn't want to swap him and give Soto to his old team and take the guy that they discarded to afford Juan Soto. That's my stance. I would bet on the Cubs instead of the Yankees in this uh, anyway, so it doesn't really matter, but that's my thought. Yeah, I um, the Yankees, and not to say that Pete Alonso was a very specific game, um, and the Yankees um, are not. The Yankees would be getting more redundant. He had a home run hitter, high strikeout, um, Older player, Pete Alonso's not aging, but um, to sign somebody to a long-term deal like that would theoretically make the Yankees older and just less athletic. Um, he's not, and he's not necessarily an astute defender. Um, he's not somebody who can make noise on the base paths. He's not, you know, he's not making the infield nervous when he puts one on the ground with his speed. Uh, I don't see how this would make any sense for the Yankees, um, especially on a longer term contract, the Yankees have enough financial issues to deal with in terms of guys who are locked down for longer than we had liked. Giancarlo Stanton's one of them. DJ LeMahieu has turned into one of them, even though we didn't think that would be the case. Um, Carlos Rodon is one of them right now in Yankee land, but hopefully that's going to change. Um, not speaking um, poorly about Aaron judge, but we're going to have a lot of his end of year, uh, or end of career years. Um, and that's just, that's part of the game and that is what it is. So uh, the Yankees would have to tread lightly here and make the right decision. But yeah, I think um, with everything that has transpired with the farm system and these players that they're kind of refusing to put in trade talks, um, that's going to make up the next collection of this roster. Um, and any high expenditure deals will be doled out to somebody like Juan Soto, who's hitting free agency at what, 26? age 26 season. This season is age 25 season. So yeah, you get, and that's why they were all in on Yoshinobu Yamamoto guy entering his age 25 season. You figure you pay for all the prime years, you integrate all these other young, um, high, you know, highly touted prospects for super cheap while these guys are making the bulk of the money. Uh, and then you think you can win a couple world series over that span, but I did Pete Alonso very much is not that player for the Yankees, especially with first base, um, look, first base is hard. Ron Washington said it in Moneyball, but um, it's a fairly uh, – it's probably the second most expendable position on the field outside of outfield. 
uh, like corner outfield spots where you can just find, you can find power and you can find adequate defense and you can live with that um, in the corner spots uh, and at first base. But I, I don't, I don't think that's a that's a massive investment unless you're talking about, like you said, generational talent at the position. And I don't even know if there are any generational talents at first base currently. Are there? Do we? Who would who would we who would we even put in that like in Yankees it, in Yankees land? Formerly, it was Don Mattingly. Yeah, Matt Olson, the end of Paul Goldschmidt's career. Uh, I don't know, but nobody we're getting. Oh, Matt so. Olson, yeah. Yeah, I mean, nobody we're getting, although he was at the one-yard line um, a couple years ago. <laughs> I thought he was a Yankee. Um, well, Juan Soto, no uh, no number yet, but we know that he's he and Alonzo and Guerrero have yet to settle. Uh, Bob Nightingale says, still unsettled before the 8 p.m. deadline. I was told it was a 1 p.m. deadline, um, but maybe it's an 8 p.m. deadline. We'll have to wait and see someone in the comments saying uh, we're a joke. No wonder why there are only nine people watching. There are more than nine people watching. You're watching. You're watching. But hey, I get it. Difference of opinion. Some people think we're a joke. Some people think we're good. Uh, hey, not up to me to say. Up to you guys to find out and determine. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Relatively short show. A lot going on. Uh, we still went 45 minutes, but not a lot of actual information in Yankee Land. We, we wish we could report something here. We're still waiting. Uh, it'd be fun if we had a Marcus Stroman deal to scream about for 35 minutes, but all we have is what's probably a Marcus Stroman smokescreen. Still waiting on significant uh, rotation additions. We got Luke Weaver, but that's not significant. More to come next week. We will be live again next Thursday at 2 o'clock Eastern and on all podcast platforms in the aftermath. We really appreciate everybody joining us. Of course, drop us a five-star review if you feel like it. We got some good ones in recently. Listens going up. Audio version going up. Arrow trending up across the board um except for again one guy in the comments hates us all good i hate me too i'm yeah. adam weinrib you can find me on twitter at adam weinrib thomas carinante where can the people find you i am at at tommy's underscore takes we are both at the official yanks go yard twitter account at yanks go yard fs we are also hanging out at yanks plenty of content there for you uh thank you guys for tuning in and reading please do both if you are a fan and don't hate us uh even if you do hate us i guess you could read and make fun of us and that would fulfill whatever weird um, fetish you have with doing that type of stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, we will be back on Monday, 2 PM Eastern live right here. Hopefully we get some more info on these uh, arbitration um, situations. Uh, we'll have all that information up on the site for you. Um, anything that develops over the weekend as well, please head on over to yanksyr.com. We will have it all updated and right there for you to read and stay up to date Thanks again, everybody. We will see you soon. Have a good weekend. You bet. Bye, everybody.